Welcome to the Eerie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. We're so glad you're listening with us today. What does it mean to be God strong? We are discovering some everyday practices that we can do to be spiritually stronger in our walk with Jesus. We've talked about finding regular time to study the scriptures, how to put prayer into action, and we've examined how our entire lives can be used to express worship to God, including our giving. Today we're joined by Pastor Don Fisher, and he's going to look at one particular spiritual discipline that we don't address much in today's culture, and that is solitude. This is certainly an interesting season to discuss solitude, and Pastor Don is going to help us better understand and apply it to our lives. Let's get started today. Here's Pastor Don. I would like to spend a few moments today talking about my car. Oh, it's not a new car. It's not flashy. doesn't have all the whistles and buttons. In fact, it's a 1999 Buick Century. I wonder how many of you have a car that is older than that than you're actually driving. Not one locked up in a garage somewhere, but you're actually driving that car. The reason I want to talk about this car is because when I drive the car up Peach or in a parking lot or somewhere in our city, I pull up beside a lot newer car, and my car really looks about as good or better than the newer car. And there's a reason for that. When I purchased this car from my neighbor, he had always taken care of it. He had not neglected the care and the upkeep of the car. He kept it washed, he kept it vacuumed, he kept the oil changed, and as long as he had that car, he was always taking care of it and never neglecting the care that it needed to make it look like and run like it does today. And so when I purchased the car, I carried on that tradition, and I wash it every week, and I vacuum, and I take care of it and rotate the tires. I'm very careful not to neglect the care that it needs to function and to get me around town and to uh, be the transportation that is dependable for what I'm doing. And much like in... The concept of the car is in our spiritual journey, our spiritual walk. We've been talking about disciplines. We've talked about the importance of studying and reading scripture. Uh, we've talked about how important prayer is in our life. Uh, we've discussed worship and, and what place that has in our lives. And most recently, we talked about giving or we talked about stewardship. And all of these are a discipline. All of these are things that if we neglect, somewhere in our Christian journey, we're going to pay the price. We're going to suffer. There's going to be consequences in what I call being negligent with our spiritual disciplines. Psalm 46 and verse 10, actually there are only eight words that I'm going to share with you today. And these are, be still and know that I am God. Now, Psalm 46, when you read from the beginning of the chapter, 
It says God is our refuge and God is our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed and the mountains be cast into the sea. And those 10 verses talk about what God can do and what God wants to do. And then it seems like when we come to verse 10, God is saying, stop. Be still. And know that I am God. See, when we think of solitude, we think of being alone. And that's what solitude is. It's a state of being alone. And it's considered to be one of our spiritual disciplines. And many times, solitude is associated with silence. It's used to distance us. And haven't we heard that word lately? It's used to distance us from all of the distractions of the world giving us a place that we can examine our lives and also a place where we can hear God speak. I think it's exciting, and I want you to understand today that God wants to talk to us. Yeah. See, he's not too busy. There's no hierarchy. He's not only talking to the, the people in control and the big wigs and the CEOs. And God wants to speak to us. But there is a price. And in a few moments, we're going to talk about that. We're going to share with you that solitude gives us a promise. But it also costs us a price. Now, when we look through Scripture, beginning from the Old Testament all the way up to the ministry of Jesus, the Bible gives us example after example of people who have experienced solitude with God. If you remember back in Old Testament when Moses would go into the tent of meetings, and, and only certain ones were able to go into that. And Moses was going into that tent of meeting because that's where the glory of God would come down. And that's where God would speak to him. And in that waiting time, in that solitude, God would share with him what he wanted Moses to say to the people. And so the people, knowing this, they would all go stand outside. And they would gather around the tent waiting for Moses to come out to tell them what God had said. Then we read that God had time with Elijah and he had time with Jacob. Jesus and his ministry found that it was necessary to have times of solitude, often after performing miracles or in times of grief or before choosing his disciples, and certainly when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he knew the value of solitude. And I believe that he's, he, Jesus is saying to us that I practiced solitude because I wanted to preserve my mind from the contamination 
of the world. So, as we understand solitude, let me make it very, very clear. Solitude has value, but it's not a place to live. In other words, God is not looking for spiritual hermits. That all you do is isolate, hibernate, uh, put yourself away from everybody, and that's just 24-7, that's all you do. No. Now, we understand that we're in the world. We just are not of the world. But solitude has value. But it's not a place to live. It's a discipline. Now, just like anything else, if we were to talk about reading the Bible, we would talk about, well, what are some of the things that prevent us from reading the Bible? Talk about prayer, worship. Uh, talking about uh, stewardship. What are some things that prevent us from doing that? And so it is with the concept of solitude. There are preventers that keep us from... Ex, uh, ex, there are preventers that keep us from experiencing solitude. So I'm going to share just one with you, and it's very relevant and... Uh, so, so please, don't shoot the messenger and don't pass judgment on what I'm going to say. But I think it's a timely preventer that we need to take into consideration and learn to deal with. In stating the obvious, media technology promises to connect us with one another, to connect us with world affairs, and really, it generates an illusion that at any moment we are in touch or able to reach out and touch someone else. And the more we make ourselves technologically available, the more we are interrupted in trying to connect with our soul. And while our mind is occupied, our soul is still hungry and waiting for care. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that because I think you can apply that. You understand what I'm trying to say. Because there are things in our life that prevent us from experiencing solitude. And I think one of the biggest preventers that we experience today is the media technology. Now you say, well, you know, that really doesn't apply to me because I can take it or leave it. And that really doesn't apply to me because it's no big deal. You know, I heard somebody one time say, if you think you have an addiction, but you don't know, abstain from whatever that is for three days and see if your personality changes or your attitude changes. And if it does, it's an addiction. Let's move on. I want us to look at the promise. See, 
Believe it or not, not only is there individual solitude described in the word, but I found in Exodus that there is what I call a collective solitude. And that was taking place when the Israelites were in the desert. See, God had promised them. Remember, when we are in solitude, we can expect a promise, but also we pay a price. So in collective solitude, God had promised the children of Israel. He said, I promised you freedom. I promised you your own land. I promised you a land of milk and honey. But it's going to cost you. You're going to have to devote your loyalty to me, God your Father. And you're going to have to follow your leader, Moses. Now, we won't get into a lot of the details, but I can tell you this. If you read through the story, the wilderness experience brought out the worst in them. They became impatient. They complained. They grumbled. They were cynical. And it hadn't been that long ago that God had said, I'm going to free you and I am going to bless you and I have a great future for you. And they were in the wilderness less than three months and they were complaining. Well, you brought us here to die. You brought us here to starve. What are we going to eat? And so Moses continues to give them instruction and in fact, one of those instructions involves the Sabbath. He said, on the sixth day, collect all that you will need for the sixth day and then collect for the seventh day because on the Sabbath, you will rest. You won't need to collect your food. And interestingly enough, the food didn't spoil. I mean, this was some great experiences they were having and yet they were in the midst of complaining and grumbling and being cynical. They had received God's promise before they ever crossed the Red Sea. But now they were in collective solitude, marching around and around and around and around. And you would think because they had heard these words, Exodus 14, 13, do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance that God will accomplish for you today. Verse 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The application was fear not Embrace the present situation without escape tactics and be still. So how does that apply to you and I today? If you read through Psalm 46 at the end of verse 3, the end of verse 7, the end of verse 11, you'll find the word selah. And if you look hard enough, you will recognize that that word selah means different, has a, a different connotation 
applying to the scripture that it's it, that it is shown in, such as it. Some places it means amen. Some places it could mean so be it. Uh, some places it can mean it's finished. But in Psalm 46, in those three verses, at the end of the verse, it says Selah. And basically what it is saying is stop. Be still. And consider what God has done. And consider what God can do. Now, let's, let me just put this in today's concept. You and I understand that by law, we are required to obey stop signs and stop lights. But let's, let's say a law is abolished and by law, we don't have to. And so you pull out of uh, your driveway, you go to the corner, and there's a stop sign. You ignore it. You turn right. And away you go. Nothing happens. You get down to the intersection, and there now is a red stoplight. And again, you ignore it, and you zoom right through the intersection. Nothing happens. You begin to think, I can ignore the stop sign all the time, because I can. But there comes a day when you are shooting through an intersection on a red light, and there's a person coming from the opposite direction on a green light, and you get T-boned, and the people that are with you lose their life. What I'm saying is this, we can only ignore the stop signs for so long before something breaks. Some destruction happens or some fatality takes place. So while we're talking about these disciplines, reading the Bible, prayer, worship, stewardship, solitude, you can ignore them. You can be totally blind and totally deaf to anything that is being said to you from Scripture, but I'm telling you today, you can only ignore them for so long. And eventually, there will be circumstances and there will be consequences and as a result of your choices. You see, we are free to choose, but we're not free from the consequences of our choice. So how does this work with you and I today? I believe that God has given a promise that he wants us to be aware of his presence and his power and his love. Our heavenly father has promised us, if you will just spend some time with me, you can experience my presence and my power and my love. But do you know right now what is, what is affecting us? You know right now what is kind of uh, getting and interrupting us experiencing this solitude? It's 
the agonizing experience of an uncertain future. It's the threat to our autonomy and our need for control. I think probably you would agree that we are living in a time right now where it seems like our world is out of control. And some of us are not used to that. We're used to being in control. And if I am not able to be in control and experience autonomy, then my whole world is turned upside down. And God is saying, that's exactly the time that you need to practice solitude, to experience my presence, my power, and my love. See, God has a promise for us that he wants us to hear his comforting voice. And he wants us to find in our weakness and in our fears, they can be transformed into strength and into hope. That's what he wants. That's what he's promised. If you'll just experience solitude with me, this is what I want to do for you. But it comes with a price. And the price is we have to confront our anger or our resentment or our impatience or whatever else is a part of our thought process that's not pleasing to God, that's not productive, we have to confront those things before we can see our weaknesses and our fears transformed into strengths and hope. And that's probably one of the most difficult times that we will ever face because, see, we can be around people. We can be around friends, around relatives. We can be in big crowds. We can go to concerts. But God forbid that we get into this place of solitude with God. I know, I don't know about how you think, but I know there have been times that I've experienced this solitude, and i got to be honest with you. I enter, enter into solitude with my eyes squinting. It's like I'm in solitude, but I don't know what he's going to say. Or I'm in solitude with God, and he does begin to speak, and it's like, I don't want to hear that. And that's when I have to remember his promises. Then no matter how much he corrects, no matter how much he disciplines, no matter how many times he tells us that we're really messing up, he gives us that promise that he'll turn our tragedies into triumphs. He will turn our defeats into victories. And I want to close with this comment and with this um, promise to you and this encouraging word. God wants to be alone with us. He wants to comfort us. He wants to direct us. There are times that he will correct us and love us and empower us to make a difference. 
in the midst of the chaotic and conflicted world that we live in. He wants to do that. He is patiently waiting for you and I to practice this discipline of solitude. And the only thing that prevents us from getting started is being still. Be still. And I know for some of you, silence, I actually titled this message, Silence is Golden. But for some of you, silence is silent. But for some of you, silence is murderous. If if we were to ask you today, to wherever you're at, in your uh, where your home, if you're someone else's home, however you're watching this ministry today, if we were to say, I want you to take two minutes and just be quiet. I would guarantee you that some of you would think that I've asked you to take two hours. Some would be saying, oh my goodness, I never realized. But you know what, friends? Two minutes, so 168 hours in a week. And I've just asked you to take 120 seconds and be still. So can I challenge you today? This week, I'm not going to make the challenge big. I'm not going to say solitude for a whole day or for five hours. Or I'm not even going to say solitude for an hour. Could I challenge you with this? And I know for some it's going to stretch us, but could I challenge you with five minutes? Most of you, perhaps you have a timer on your watch or you've, you've got at least a, a timer in the house uh, that you use for cooking. Set that at five minutes. Put your phone on off. Get away from all the medical or put your phone on off. Get away from all of the media technology. And for five minutes... Say, God, here I am. Here I am. I need your comfort. I need your love. I need your strength. I need my fears transformed into hope. Would you do that this week? Can I pray for us today? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. And Father, you're, you're a good God that you don't give us things just to take up our time. You don't give us things just to appease us or to um, challenge us with no results. And Father, I believe that today you're speaking to all of us that you're wanting us to practice solitude, to stop, be still. And know that you are God. And Father, we thank you that when we do that, we know that you will meet us in a very, very special way. And we give you thanks for that. It is in your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Eerie First Podcast. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts. 
You can find all our series videos and podcasts at eeriefirst.org, along with all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.